0: You're listening to Ask the Expert on Sprott
1: Money News. Well, greetings once again from Sprott Money News at SprottMoney.com. It is the month of July 2021. It is time for your Ask the Expert segment. I'm your host, Craig Hemke, and joining me this month is Ned naylor Leyland. Ned is a very well-respected voice in the precious metal sector. He is the head of gold and silver for Jupiter Asset Management in London, where he has been stuck now for what, maybe a good year and a half, Ned? Hey, uh, welcome. Thanks for joining me again.
0: Oh It's an absolute pleasure, Mr. Hemke. Um, delighted to be here with you. Uh, even though I'm stuck in London, I'm still keeping an eye on these markets and keen to offer any sensible thoughts that, um, that are available to me.
1: I'm not sure what is more maddening at this point, being Stuck in London and unable to really go anywhere for eighteen months, or having to watch the precious metals on a daily basis. Mm, that's an
0: excellent one. Yes, I'd say that that's about about equal. It's yes. a pretty even, Stephen. One there, you know, both are let's say sub optimal. Um, and I see as we speak right now, they're having a good old good old crack at pushing pushing the spot price down again. Um, but it's been a funny old nine months or ten months, I must say.
1: That's for certain. And we'll get into that in a little bit today. I've got six questions that we've uh, picked up over the last couple of weeks once people knew that you were going to be the guest this month. And just a reminder that this content is always sponsored by Sprott Money. They should always be one of your first choices whenever you're in the market for precious metals uh, or to store your precious metals. And do us a favor, help, get, help us get the word out on these podcasts, whether it's the Ask the Expert, the weekly wrap-ups, the, um, the Precious Metals projections that I host in the first of every month with Christopher Muhlen. If you enjoy that content, please give us a like, maybe subscribe to whichever channel you're listening to. That'll help us get the word out, cast a wider net. And again, if you have any need for Precious Metals, give us a call at Sprott Money 888-861-0775. All right, Ned, I have six questions for you. Um, this one, first one is, I would say rather timely. We're recording this on July the 20th. Yesterday, the Monday, the 19th was a rather foul day, not only for the mining shares, but for the stock market in general. Um, a lot of people are confounded that by by price versus the shares though. I mean, gold's holding in there. It's down admittedly three or 4% year to date, but boy, the shares have had a really tough time. So with gold still above $1,800, uh, the gold mining shares continue to fall. Why is that, Ned?
0: Well, I mean, I think it's it's a function mainly of of momentum and and some leverage as well, Craig. So I, the way I like to think about these things is that now markets are driven by L, M, and N. So that's leverage, momentum, and narrative. And I think that you know the last year the gold miners received some uh of each of those l m and n, but back in the or well, whatever it was September of last year the the narrative of uh rates going negative was lost uh indeed, the market started to focus on 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 actually more hawkish narratives, albeit while inflation <laughs> continues to tick higher uh, and, and that meant that we lost momentum. And, and, and that leverage that came through principally came through GDX and GDXJ. So what I'm talking about there is your very large hedge funds that effectively don't just go long, the relatively volatile instrument that is gold and silver mining stocks, but they do it on margin. Now that created, um, some, some positive momentum last year, but also sort of constant dribble away. I would say that, that retail has been very doggedly remaining in there. So, that big institutional money was a tourist last year came in and then washed out, but then this year, what we saw was was retail remaining remaining there, remaining long and then I think we've seen capitulation really in the last few weeks that's what you've seen and why the miners have have come off, so that's been less leverage, but more the the final loss of momentum in the in the in the retail sleeve of the overall gold and silver mining space.
1: I might just follow up for a second, too, because I'd like I wanted to ask you this anyway. What about uh, just gold in general? Uh, You know, we are back to levels of real interest rates that are as sharply negative or more sharply negative compared on what you know, whatever you want to use for your inputs versus last year. But your gold's three hundred dollars lower. What is it just simply the market kind of being forward looking to rate hikes in a year and a half? Or what do you think the issue is?
0: Yeah, I think it's a couple of things. The first is a sort of mildly alarming concept, which is that potentially gold is is being predicted rather than real rates. So, what you know, they're going to they're going to converge again. These two things now will it be gold going higher to catch up with real rates, or would it be real rates spiking uh, as in a some kind of deflationary problem? So that that, the first thing to say is maybe gold's right. If that's true, then that would infer we, we could be heading into some kind of market liquidation event, which none of us want to see. Not even the most kind of, um, top of a hill gold bug really wants to see that. So that you, you could say that that's a sort of negative argument. Um, but what I would tend to say is it's more to do with like you, you inferred in your, in your question, the bond market, remembering that it's really not about the wider markets, about the bond market's view on, on real rates. So the bond market is, with both sides of real rates being optimistic. So it thinks inflation is transitory, continues to pay for inflation being transitory rather than embedded. And on the rate side is being very optimistic in terms of what it thinks will happen taper and, and rates wise. So it thinks that, you know, there will be rate hikes. Uh, There'll be a few of them, um, obviously not immediately, but that's where its focus is. Uh, So in other words, it remains hawkish rather than dovish. So. Look, I, I think it's it's a wave. We had a short, sharp wave uh, lower for real rates last year, and the market was focused on um, on interest rates going negative. And it just seems that the interest rate side of real rates is more powerful, Craig, than than the inflation one, because what we see inflation everywhere, and it, it frankly is pretty much out of control now, in my, in my view, in terms of the, the real economy, uh, the, the bond market doesn't want to pay any attention to that it's interested in the rates side of the, of the question.
1: All right, let me move on to question number two. This is, uh, I'll be interested to get your answer on this one, Ned. You know, we've had this kind of crazy year in silver with uh, the Reddit Wall Street silver crowd and the demand for physical silver and the ETF demand and everything else that goes with it. Yet price, yeah, as you know, is kind of floundering. What, in terms of price though, <clears throat> what's more important? Industrial demand or investment demand?
0: Well, I think they're both important. I think the industrial demand is is probably more of a medium to long term thing. You know, it's not something which we'll see pouring through the gates anytime soon. I will say though that at some point that could be an extremely powerful short term driver if industrial users become motivated to try and buy uh, physical in size. We haven't seen that, um, and it's obviously the dog that never barked—the thing we've always talked about. But that's Mm -hmm. still in play. But I would say investment demand is certainly more powerful short to medium term because, you know, you have a very large number of potential fully paid longs in the investment world that would like one, two, three to five percent maybe in physical silver in their portfolios. So I think, no, I think investment demand is more powerful. It's also more fickle so and more of a momentum chaser. So it wants to see, in my view, it wants to see silver through That's when you'll start to see that happen. It's of course, totally counterintuitive and makes no sense at all. And they should be doing it now. But everything is a momentum chaser now. Everybody is is well, really almost everybody is a momentum chaser. So I think that um, short to medium term it's investment demand. And it would be triggered hugely by that $30 number.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. All right, let's move on to question three. This has been getting a lot of press lately, especially that little... Announcement that uh, your regulator snuck in late on a Friday uh, earlier this <laughs> month, uh, and it just simply deals with Basel Three. Do you think those Basel III changes will have any long-term impact on price?
0: Well, I think they're part of a broader, broader concept which will have something to do with price. I think that what what we saw there was a was the the revelation of the true nature of the city of London and its sort of independence from both Europe and the UK. So I would sort of give one a nudge in that direction and say the fact that they can they can come out with the don't worry about, about following those rules was very interesting on that side. But I do think that there is something very powerful in, in play, which is that the, the global central banking systems, and that obviously is driven through the G20 and then the BIS, I, i.e. they were the ones that drove Basel III, that they want gold back as... Um, as what well, it appears, they want gold back to take over from the dollar as risk-free instrument. Otherwise, why would they have gone this route? Um, and, and 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 that plays into why all this, the repatriation requests happened mm-hmm. as soon as the the NSFR rules were laid down. That's when you saw the central bank start to ask for their gold back. So I think that what we're doing is we're coming full circle. And we're we're, we're end, end, ending this cycle. And yes, I do think this has an important impact on price. As for the individual announcements, both. To do with the end of the year, uh, the plea of the LBMA, the response of the PRA, all of that is, um, you know, a, a theatre within a grander um, outcome. Which, yes, I do think impacts price. But you know, I am one of those people that think that gold doesn't have a price; it's just it's just valuing sterling and dollars anyway. Right. So you know, there's a bigger, you know, conceptual argument or discussion to be had there, really.
1: Right. Right. Okay. All right, my friend, we are halfway done. So we are uh, making our way, rounding the turn, headed for home at this point. Um, The last time I spoke with Eric and he was able to share with us some thoughts on uh, where he's investing now, he was very interested in Newfoundland as a potential new gold uh, region. Do you share his excitement about the possibilities there?
0: Well, I think it's an, a very interesting question and it's a very interesting area. Um, I'm not as excited or as invested as he is in in that new, what well, may be a new district. I think that there are still things that need to be proven in terms of whether or not the um, the capital infrastructure build-out that would be needed will actually end up there. So in other words, in order for that area to become a genuine production center, there's an enormous amount of money that will need to be spent to make it happen. I think if it does, then it will prove to be very interesting and very important. And I think there are a number of these these new districts though, um, globally. And what I would say is that that we've noticed the last 18 months that the exploration for gold has been really very successful. It's been very nice to see that um the money that's been gone into the ground has yielded a lot of results. I'm not surprised because all of that geological Um, know-how and work that has been um, sort of sat on the bench for, (laughs) well, I mean, it's the best part of 15 years, isn't it, really, has has come through in the last 18 months to two years and just seeing discoveries being made all over the place. And that is one of four or five, I think, um, new, whether it's camps, districts, regions, that are interesting. And it's certainly one we're keeping an eye on we, you know, it's not something that we have um, had great success in yet. And it's a kind of watch this space situation as far as I'm concerned.
1: You mentioned it, uh, you know, the infrastructure has got to go in. Yeah, I, the, I guess the challenge for a lot of investors, you got to take Eric's route. I would think you've got to be patient. You've got to feel confident that you're right. And then wait. You can't just expect it to move <laughs> like it's Amazon or Netflix or something.
0: Well, I think that's fine and, 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 and agreed. And I mean, ultimately, when you think, if you think about how Eric invests, not that I wish to suggest anything on his behalf, behalf, but ultimately he's taking a view on, on, on a part of his broader metals portfolio in, in the, in the region, presumably. Uh, he sees it as an additional form of optionality, I would imagine, within an overall, um, an overall portfolio of investments, yeah. and of course, obviously, you know everybody needs to think about diversification. Always, people should think about more than one, more than three, more than five, frankly, more than ten individual names when you're thinking about this this asset class, anyway. So, you know, I'm sure that if you, um, if you 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 know, you really pushed him on that, he would agree.
1: Yeah. All right, two questions to go, my friend. This is uh, this is a fun one. I think this is. Uh, I'll be interested to get your answer. If we now stay in a trading range for gold you know we're down hundred dollars year to date' which now places it about ten percent back below two thousand so let's say we stay in a range between 1800 and two thousand would royalty companies outperform producing companies which would you prefer
0: Gosh, that's, that's very interesting I think that I would I would say that royalty companies are Going to struggle to grow their portfolios above 1800 would be my view. I think there's sufficient free cash flow there for producers, for them not to be distressed enough to go and, and do what are good deals for royalty companies, uh, within that $200 band. So broadly, my answer would be producers, I think, well selected. Having said that, um, they, they're, they're a little bit different in terms of who the marginal buyer of those shares is. You know, the, the, the generalist, the large generalist investor likes the royalty companies because of the distributed risk profile of them. Mm-hmm. So you can have a, a marginal buyer there within a generalist equity portfolio, you know, large, large institutional money that might buy those individually. Whereas with the producers, I tend to think that they're more of a, an observation on the sector. And I think that, you know, we need momentum to drive that back in. So I, I'm not seeking to sit on the fence, but I would give you a seat, sort of sit on the fence a- answer and say that I don't think you'll get that much variation in performance between those two, um, sort of slots within that, that, that $200 range above, above 2000. I think you'll see a lot of momentum and a lot of fresh, um, uh, asset allocation into the, into the generalist, into the general mining equity space, at which point I would expect producers to outperform.
1: All right. You just queued up, teed up high and smashed the drive for the final question, because that just leads right into it. What must happen later this year or next for gold and silver to get back to the highs that we saw just one year ago?
0: Well, I think in terms of individual um, uh, news item, impossible to say, but it's going to be it's going to be you know, one of those two impulses whether it's inflation or rates. Now, the evidence that we've seen would suggest it will be the rate side because it seems to me that unless we have an energy, you know, absent an energy shock, so an oil price rocket up to, you know, $150 a barrel, which is always, again, dog, the dog that never barked, And the thing that we've always looked at for 20 years and said at some point that will happen, you know, assuming that doesn't happen, which would be a blowout for core inflation and would be unavoidably, Really, interest rate negative and therefore gold positive. For me, it has to be the rate side. So it's going to be something that flicks the switch from the market's current uh, fascination and obsession with the concept of tapering and, and rate hikes and, and well, I don't know about the central bank balance sheet unwinding, but just a relatively um, hawkish bias. Now, what that would be, I don't know. Um, I, I think it's... It's difficult to pick an individual catalyst for it, but I, I you know I look at the overall market and you touched on it, you know you look at the equity market, it I mean obviously in the past, every time we've seen this, it sort of drops and then, and then on we go again. But were it to start to lose momentum, I think that implicitly, the market would just back straight off all of that narrative about tapering. Uh, and about rate hikes. Mm-hmm. So that, that interestingly would be, so, so we, what we've got used to is the concept of the fact that the equity market goes down. That's, that's a real interest rate spike. Now I, you know, part of me still expects that, but I think you, you, you would have to say that a lot of that rates side of it is priced in, uh, in a way that it would get unwound should equities go lower. So maybe, maybe it would be a, a loss of momentum. In, in equities my concern there is when i look at it you know it feels a little bit like if the equity market loses genuine momentum it could go down rather a long way so um it'll be interesting to see how it all, all plays out and i don't think it's going to take much you know we look at all the technicals in the gold and silver in terms of set sentiment momentum etc it's an obviously looks like an excellent entry point now you know we've, we we've had to become um Experts in life lessons, which would be patience and um, and riding extreme volatility. But I think that you know, if we look at the overall setup, it does look very good here. And I, I would tend to think that something has to come along over the next six to nine months to to take the steam out of the bond markets' sort of general hawkish forward march.
1: Mm-hmm. Kind of a catch twenty-two, Ned. You know, if the market goes down. Uh, on like a liquidity event that seems deflationary, um, that's one thing that could hurt the metals, but that also might set in this mindset that oh you know what there aren't going to be ever going to be any rate hikes. There is no way the Fed could get out. It's kind of a catch twenty two isn't it
0: yeah, exactly it's 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 odd situation because if you'd asked me a year ago, I would have said that you know um deflationary or run to cash moments or mm-hmm. or equity equity air pockets are inherently now bad for for our sector due to the, the correlation with real rates. But of course, you know, like usual, one's assumptions are, are blown out of the water and here we are. And I agree, it's a catch 22 now.
1: And we'll just see where we go from here. Where you should go from here, my friendly listener, is to SprottMoney.com and the sponsor of all of this content. Uh, go to that site. Anytime you're in the market for physical precious metal or a place to store it. Always great deals. Sprottmoney.com. You can always just also pick up the phone and give them a call at 888-861-0775. And be sure to give us a share, a like, or a subscribe on your way out as well so that we can broaden our reach with uh, information like this great stuff from Ned Naylor-Leland to let people know how valuable the precious metals can be in times like this. Again, Ned naylor Leyland, head of gold and silver for Jupiter Asset Management in in London. Ned, thank you so much for spending some time with me today. I very much appreciate
0: it. It's an absolute pleasure as always and um, hope we catch up
1: again soon. From all of us here at Sprott Money News and SprottMoney.com, thank you for listening. We'll have another Ask the Expert segment next month.